man should ever walk alone with Danny Frawley. It is that time again and great to have your company on No Man Should Ever Walk Alone. Danny Frawley is in the house and it is all thanks to our great mates at Chemist Warehouse. They are, of course, the home of real fragrances. Wonderful to have their support as part of No Man Should Ever Walk Alone. A reminder as well, just before I intro you, Spud, that each and every episode is up. SEN.com.au. Each and every episode of No Man Should Ever Walk Alone. We get a lot of tweets from you out there asking how we can listen to previous episodes asking how they can catch up with all of some of the great stuff that you've covered off Spud. SEN.com.au or, yes, I know, you're pointing at your phone as well, at Spud Says on Twitter or Spud on Instagram. You can follow those links as well for all of the previous episodes of No Man Should Ever Walk Alone. Try the new diesel. It's the only Brave Street, 75 mil for only 69 bucks. It's at Chemist Warehouse. They are the real house of fragrances. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jack. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse and Waverly Mercedes. Uh, in, in one of cheap Mercedes, get down there to Springvale Road, Waverly Mercedes. It uh, gives me great pleasure to introduce the great Ken Hunter. Good evening, Ken. G'day, Danny. Good to be here. Great to be here. Going to talk a little bit about uh, footy and mental health and men's health, but gee, I don't know whether you've got a good memory, but 985, round two. Um, big strapping young full back, and I thought, gee, I'll be playing on uh, Ross Ditchburn or some, you know, Peter McConville. I think was still playing in those days before he came to the Saints. And this bloody thin Ken Hunter, I knew he was a superstar. Played him. I thought, gee, you're running around inside me legs. And I thought, what am I doing on you? <laughs> well, it was a bit strange actually because I was sort of came over as a backman, obviously, and um, I got knocked out at uh, Victoria Park one day uh, in '83, I think it was. And um, after half time, they put me up forward. So, might as well put this bloke back on. I ended up kicking three <laughs> goals and we won the game. So, from that point on, I think they thought they found themselves a forward. And um, yeah, I found myself up in, up in the forward line. Uh, Moravin obviously had some you good memories. <laughs> great memories for us, Ken. We were just talking off air. <laughs> Myself and Tony Lockett, um, we, we were sort of country boys and we didn't have a lot of skill. And they knew that Ballarat was a pretty wet area. So, um, Ian Stewart, Triple Brownlow Mellis was um, the footy manager in those days and thought, gee, we're, we're no chance of beating these this premiership teams for Carlton. We want you guys to water the ground. So one one Friday we're there and, you know, me and Plague were playing a little bit of indoor cricket, put the splinkers on for about an hour and Ian Stewart said, come down. He said, no, no, guys, we've got we to completely flood it. So <laughs> we, we were there for four hours on the Friday afternoon and when we left, she was under about an inch of water and, of course, I can remember giggling to myself um, and you guys, you know, the the reserves would play in those days. And, you know, it was the middle of autumn. It was about round four or five in 85. And um, you guys had the the away shorts and, and white. And you'd have a look at your reserves team. Those <laughs> shorts were completely brown and black. <laughs> and I'd see you guys walking out in the ground at half time thinking, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, yeah I, I remember it well. And I, I reckon it happened more than once, to be honest. <laughs> it happened a lot, Ken, I, I can think, tell you. <laughs> it was, used to be bloody a nightmare to go down and play at Moravin because I've obviously had great support yeah. down there. And the people in the stand, they'd give it to us all day. And, the animal enclosure. In the air, that's right. And then uh, we get out in the ground. It was a perfectly fine day. And, you know, parking it us rolling, doing a couple of rollovers. And <laughs> he did. Before we knew it, we were rolling in mud and thought, geez, this is unusual. But that wasn't the worst part. I mean, the worst part was normally we'd 
we'd probably end up getting you, and beating you. You did you know, win, we, yeah, yeah. There's no doubting that. Um, the showers? The showers were always <laughs> cold, mate. Always cold. And, and wasn't much pressure either, was there? Wasn't much pressure. And, and the worst part was that you had to get in your car, <laughs> still in your footy gear. We can remember, you know, the old days you'd have the, uh, and look, at Sam, too old now, but you'd have the, the dressing gown. So I can remember vividly you guys walking through, because the car park was sort of past the social club in, in a bit of grass area, just outside the ground. <laughs> and like, even though, and like, we'd normally invite you guys in for an after match, which were great in those days, the early yeah. 80s. I, yeah. I got to meet a lot of you, you know, legends. And remember TD once, you know, we battled it out in the field. Next minute, I had about eight beers in the after match. But you guys, when we played at Moorabbin, you were pretty keen to get on to get that mud up because it was, it was actually built on an old tip. So the centre, as you know, it bloody stunk. It did stink. And, and it if you had to, a few cuts. It, 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 it'd stick to your skin too and you couldn't get it off easy, easily. And, uh, of course, you, you know, you got in your car and yep. by the time you got out, the, the car was covered and it stunk. And, you know, it'd take you two or three days to get it back again. And, yeah, but it was, you know, it was great memories playing yeah. down there. I mean, St Kilda were always a, a good team to play against. They were always um, competitive. Uh, probably unlucky in some respects uh, with the side that they had that they probably didn't yeah. have in more games. No, you're right. And, look, we'll just go down memory lane a little bit um, for the people out there that don't know much about Ken Hunter, but I'm sure AFL, VFL would, but... Born in Carlisle? No, I was no. born in born in Derby. Okay, uh, in you, WA. You played at Carlisle, did you? Before you Carlisle. went to Claremont? No, as a kid, that's where my junior footy was. Okay. Like my old man, he was a shearer and a shearing contractor. Okay. And um, we spent a lot of time moving around. Um, you would have. Yeah, the country, um, Western Australia. And then my parents separated when I was quite young. And uh, we moved to an area called Cloverdale. Okay. Um, so, you know. Where's Cloverdale of, regarding to Perth? Where? Oh, it's near the airport. Okay. Um, yep. It was. Probably in those days, it was um, a poorer area, and uh, there wasn't much around there except for bush. And so we used to run around the bush and, you know, kick footies out the front on the road like we all used to mm. do. Uh, and then uh, from there, I end up going in mid about fourteen. I moved from Cloverdale to Dalkeith, which was, I guess, like going from yep. Turak uh, from uh, Broadmeadows to Turak. And I walked into Hollywood High School. Can you believe? <laughs> and I had on green flares. And a pink shirt, which was really fashionable in Cloverdale, you know, and uh, got to Hollywood and it was like the surfy look. They all had the Bermuda shorts on, the white shirt, yeah. the roll down socks with the DBs and this freak walks in <laughs> and I was about to get punched up by the local bully and luckily um, I had to get up in front of the class and say, you know, who I was and where I come from and what my hobbies were. As soon as I mentioned I played footy, well, then all of a sudden, after class, they all came to me, including the class yeah. bully. They all wanted me to go and play at their team, so that, that sort of saved me. So that was the first time that I, I realised just how important footy can be. You're right. And I, I was sort of, as you said, that background, I was, because Claremont, you, you went to Claremont, and obviously a star player there and played nearly 100 games, all Australian a couple of times, playing in the carnivals. Yep. I wondered how you got to Claremont, because Claremont, excuse my, uh, it was sort of like a, a club for the really yeah. affluent people. Yeah. A bit like Turak, wasn't it? Like Claremont, you go to Claremont now, it's just an outstanding place to live. So yeah. is that how you got to Claremont after going to school at Hollywood? Yeah, that's right, because uh, my parents had separated. And, yeah. Um, uh, so I went to um, Hollywood High School and you know, Mel Brown was my first coach. Um, but after going to school, I wasn't much good at it. So my mum moved back up north and um, I started working on a prawning boat uh, okay, and then playing football up uh, north for Dampier. Uh, wow, uh, when I was about sixteen. But at the same time, 
uh, Claremont had shown a lot of interest in me because I was playing in the local area. Yep. And um, I went down and started uh, training there, and then they appointed Mel Brown. And so, did you play under 19s at all, or the Colts they call it in those well, days? Well, they had, funny enough, they had the fourths, the thirds, the seconds, oh, they did the seniors. That, yep. And yep. luckily enough for me, I think that um, the, the year I got there, they cut the fourths out, and then they yep. made it under 19. So it wasn't a, such a long way away to get to seniors. And and obviously, um, a couple of flags, I think. At Claremont? Uh, no, they, they, I came over in 81. Uh, no, no, sorry. Claremont yourself, yeah. Yeah. You, you played mainly as a backman. I did. I played centre half back or half back flank. Um, but we were just starting to come good as a side. They got yeah. Graham, Graham Moss came back as um, captain, uh, captain coach. That was amazing. Like, he won the Brownlow in 76. Yeah, and, and he went back in, I don't know, about 77, so I the, the year after, it was amazing, wasn't it? Like, it when was. you think about it in today's footy, you win a Brownlow, have another year, and you go back and dominate for probably three or four years back at WA. Yeah, well, he did. And, yeah. um, he, uh, I mean, and I mean to his credit, he started playing a lot of the young guys, and you know, the Cracker Brothers came on board, um, you know, Warren Ralph, Wayne Black. Did you play with the Cracker Brothers? I did. Before yeah. they went to North? Yeah, yeah, I did. Wow. They were fantastic. They were just... And when they first um, burst on the scene, we'd never seen anything like it in yeah. football before. You know, these two Indigenous boys, the way they could, the way they played footy was just incredible. So you would have known, obviously, when they went to North, they were going to set the, the joint yeah. alight in the VFL. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They were, you know, they're just unbelievable. Very different blokes. You know, Jimmy was, as you probably know, yeah. Jimmy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Play with Jimmy. Play uh, with Jimmy. Saw yeah. a lot of uh, saw the good and the bad and the ugly. The good, Jimmy. bad, and ugly. Coached yeah. his son Andy. Yeah, at the Tigers. Yeah, and uh, whereas Phil, you know, he he had a, a lot of sense of humour. He's a bit more laconic. Yeah, funny guy. Yeah. You know, great one-liners. Uh, just a good bloke to hang around. So, no, I love playing footy with the Crackers. It was a real privilege, to be honest. And you played because um, I remember watching as a well a kid, but you know, I'm a little bit younger than you, five, six years younger actually. You were born in 57, I was 63. But I remember watching Channel 7. It was always great after the siege. You always have the carnival yep. after the yeah. the VFL Premiership. Yeah. And the Vicks had travelled over. It was mainly in WA for some reason. I don't know why. Although they must have mixed it around. But in 79, I'm pretty sure it was in WA, was it? The, or yeah, was it? Well, um, it might have been, been 77. Well, yeah. I played in two carnivals. Yeah. Um, and one was in, in WA and the other one was in South Australia. Okay, yep. But they didn't move it around. I think they had it in Tasmania for yeah, a they did. time. Yeah. So I'm not sure about Victoria. I'm, you know, I'm sure they did it at different times. But it was. It was it was good it was good to be able to go and represent your state and play against the best footballers in Australia at a carnival. Um, and you probably play three games over mm. a week. And then out of that, you know, they picked the, the all Australian team from that from that. And carnival. you got in a, a not both of those. Um, yeah, the, I was out of the carnivals. Yeah, I did. I was um, I was only a kid, I suppose. But um, I don't think it was luck, by the way. <laughs> uh, but you know, it was just to be able to play against the, the, the good footballers. I mean, because we all all used to watch the winners. Who would you have played on for Vic against Vic? Uh, KB, I think for a while. <laughs> uh, and because uh, in those days, the resting Rovers, you yeah, know, they change on and off the ball and Shimmer, I think. Yeah, roundabout. Um, few of those boys. Um, Dale Wavin. Dale might have been a bit before. He, yeah. Yeah, he came a bit after. Yeah, a bit after, but, sorry. But he was he was obviously yeah. loved playing state footy and I don't know how many games he played for Victoria. I think he ended up playing 20, I think. Yeah, around 20-odd, but he was, he was you know, just mm. made for it, wasn't he? He loved it. And obviously pre-draft, pre well, you know, Victoria zoning in the, you know, the 70s, 60s and the old Form 4. Yep. So when did Carlton come knocking on the door or... or 
obviously you would have been other clubs as well, pre, pre yeah. Carlton. I my first was um, North Melbourne. Okay, I had a contract written on a serviette by Ron Joseph. Ronnie, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. On the serviette. So I had my heart set on going to North because there's. Um, a lot of um, WA boys there, Barry Cable, yeah. Ross Glendening, Kevin Bryant, Graham yep. Rose, etc. And uh, I thought I was going there. Yeah. Uh, but I had my jaw broken for the third time in a state game uh, by Mark McClure. Wow. And uh, from that point on, uh, they stopped ringing. So, Is that right? Yeah. So, uh, uh, and so they might have thought you got a bit, 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 bit of a glass jaw, a bit windy. Yeah, they, they, they thought I was probably, uh, I mean, over in WA at the time, they were telling me I should give the game away because I was too reckless and... You know, um, a bit crazy the way I played footy, but you know I wasn't about to change the way mm. I played. Um, but luckily, I went up to Darwin after that, and I played a season up there just to get. Playing. Is that right? Yeah, just to play. Who'd some, you play for up there? Uh, North Darwin at okay. the time, which I think are now called Palmerston. That's right, they are too. Yeah, yeah. the Magpies. So, so I had an absolute ball up there because I only played about eight games for the year, and came back, you know, just to play some more footy. Got picked to play Victoria. Went to um, smother a ball from Mark McClure. He missed the ball, kicked me on the chin, knocked me out, broke my jaw again. So that's the third one. So that was it, you know, as far as North yeah. was concerned. So it was about 79? No, that was about 77, okay. 78. And then um, after that, I you know, came back and played some reasonable footy and a few other clubs started chasing me and, and Carlton came along and invited me over to be a, a guest one day. And so and would it have been Ann Collins or Wes Lofts who would have... No, it was um, George Harris. George Harris, yeah. George Harris was president. Yep. And uh, I think Keith McKenzie might have been general Oh, yeah, the late Keith the McKenzie. What a superstar he was. He was. Yeah. And uh, they got me downstairs and I ended up signing a Form 4. You know, I had all these other clubs like, um, I think, Hawthorne, Collingwood. Just explain the, the Form 4 to the, the youngsters out there. It was basically just a, a clearance to say if you're going to come over and play, it was yeah. to be with Carlton, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I think each club, Victorian club, got two two form, two form fours yep. that they could use to sign up an interstate player, and usually it was negotiated as to yeah. how much you get paid for that. And because back in those days we didn't have a manager, so had no idea yeah. what you were worth. I remember, you know, I signed a form four and I got five thousand dollars, which I thought was a lot of money, but apparently I got done. <laughs> well, you did because you know, in all due respect to these guys, like I remember in my era those form fours. Um, um, Gary Shaw and Mike Richardson for Collingwood. Yeah. Their form fours yeah. were nearly six figures. <laughs> there you go. Well, not six, but you know, over a three-year period. So, you know, all due respect to Gary, he didn't play a lot of footy. Mike ended up playing a, a bit at, you know, obviously the Bears and that. But their monies were well in advance of five. Put it that way. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like I said, I think I missed out. But, <laughs> but you know, not having a, a I guess, a, a father for influence yeah. or, a, or a manager back in those days, it was just almost impossible to put a worth on how much you you were worth. So, Were you pretty confident when you started at Carlton? Because they'd, they'd won it in 79. They had a bit of a downer in 80. Yeah. And then obviously um, Parco took over. And then, you know, you've come in at the end of 80, start of 81. Yep. Did you look around and think, gee, you know, you've got Sheldon, Marku, Buckley, Wayne Johnson, you know, yep. uh, Mike Fitzpatrick. Um, Mark McClaw, all these legends, Rod, Rod Austin. Do you think, okay, they're, they're stars, but I reckon I can handle myself here, okay? Look, I, I thought um, I signed up with Carlton in 1979. Yep. So um, I used to watch them on the winners. So ha why didn't you come in 80 then? I was contracted to Clemson okay. at the time. Yep, Otherwise, yep. I would have liked to have come over yep. earlier, but they had some obscure rule 
in WA. He had to play at 100 games or be at least 22 before he could go. Okay. And I sort of just fell into that age yep, bracket. Yep, yep, yep. So when I did come over, I was, I'd watched all these guys on the mm. winners, like, like we all did, and uh, I knew who they were, but they didn't know who I was. So I walked in cold and you know, we ran up and down these hills for the first couple of hours and crawled to my car and I hear this boy <laughs> say, hey, mate, where are you going? And I looked across and it was Mark McClure. And uh, I said, well, I'm going home. He goes, no, you're not following me. So we went straight to the nearest pub. <laughs> so I've gone into the pub and next minute all these other blokes have come into the from training, you know, all those guys. You Sheldon. Yeah, Sheldon will be there. Jimmy Buckley. Buckley Marco. Yeah, you name them. <laughs> McConville. Austin, yeah, McConville, <laughs> McKay. Uh, even Bruce to all yeah. get along. But um, anyway, the, Trevor Keogh comes yep. up and goes, mate, what position do you play? And I said, well, Halfback flank, and he goes, Well, good luck. He said, There's only about five All Australians in the back line. <laughs> I didn't want to say, Well, look, yeah. mate, I was already in the Yeah, that's right. Twice. <laughs> it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. Because, uh, um, you know, they're a really tight group of yeah. blokes. And, yep. you know, you had to earn their respect, really. So um, I just put my head down and just, you know, I wanted to play footy and prove myself. And obviously, um, you know, you took the mark of the year, the goal of the year, and you ended up, I think, winning the goal kicking in 83. I won the goal kicking in 83. Um, I won the, no, the first year was um, Peter Bizasto won the marking. Oh, that's right, year. I did too, sorry. Yeah. He did too. Yeah, he was the other West Australian that came over. So he was a extroverted half-forward flanker. 83, you won the mark of the year, sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So I won a car in 83 and Buzz won it on uh, ABC and I think he won a bike. He wasn't, <laughs> he, he wasn't happy. He, was, he, rang, he rang up Channel 7 complaining about it. Saying he was a better mark, and it probably was. Yeah, but you played, you know, obviously 140 games. You look at that era. Um, not saying you're blessed because you, you play with great champions, but you you win the flag in '81, you win at '82. For whatever happened, you know, '83, '84, '85, and then you know '86. You've got uh, Motley, Kernahan, Dorotich, Mark Naley, I think. Bradley. Bradley. All these guys come from South Australia, and then. Kernhan's made captain and you're vice captain. So in, in 87, the, that that must have been interesting, you being the veteran, and then Kernahan just goes bang straight over the top. Was that something you thought about or you just thinking, oh, this guy's ready to go? Look, I, I think at the time, I, you know, I mean, everyone would like to captain their yeah. club if they could, and I was vice captain to Wayne Johnson. That's right, you were too. Uh, yep. Mark McClure. Uh, and I guess when Kernahan was made captain... I think, um, you know, we all accepted it. I mean, he was only young, but he's obviously, he was going to be a gun player. Yeah. And we all got around him and supported him as best we could so he could sort of live up to being mm. the captain of the footy club. And I think he knew that. And uh, so whilst you might have been disappointed at missing out eventually, mm. but at the end of the day, you know, you just got on and did what you had to do and support him as best you could. But, you know, the, all those players, I mean... I think that's one of the saddest things that I've seen in footy with Peter Motley. Yeah, you know, he wow. Was, yeah, he was. He, he would have been right up there with right up there. Craig Bradley and, yep. and Stephen Kernahan. Um, he was just starting to hit his straps when he when that car accident happened, and unfortunately, um, yeah, he, he wasn't able to play again. No, very disappointing. And 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 then eighty seven. So when did you retire, Kenny? Eighty nine. Okay. Yeah. So you eked everything out. You had nothing left. Nothing left, mate. I was gone. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I thought I after eighty seven. I thought um, I really did think I had two, maybe three yep. years left. Um, but I was dropped in halfway through eighty eight. The first time I've been dropped in my career. Who was the coach then at that stage? Uh, Wolsey. That must have been um, an interesting 
mindset for you? Because as I said, it just you worked hard and you were bloody courageous. We'll talk about your your courageous play and how brilliant you were. That must have been a, a tough one to to cop. It was, mate. At the time, it was a bit like a sledgehammer on top of the head. <laughs> and uh, I guess that's where um, to start. Where um, I started to have a lot of uh, problems, yep. uh, mental problems. Um, started, I guess, from that day. Um, and you. And we'll get onto that very, very shortly, and that's why we got you here. But I just wanted to sort of get the the groundswell of that. And then you you're a board member for two stints, I think, and a board member at Carlton. I was. I was there when um, John Elliott was president, and then uh, when Ian Collins came on, he yep. asked me to stay on, which I did. So I stayed there for um, another two or three years. So probably there for about ten years on the board. Probably wasn't one of my best things that I've ever done. I. I I mean, I was voted on there by the members, mm. but it's really hard when you, you know, you've got a person like John Elliott who was a dominant mm. uh, person and it was either his way or the highway yeah. and you had you know, Wesloffs alongside him yep. and they were basically making the decisions and the rest just made up the numbers. Mm. So, mate, um, appreciate your career and as you touched on the mental health then, we'll just have a, we'll have a quick break and after the break we'll get into um, some of the trials and tribulations you've had and, and more importantly how we can help some uh, some men out there, mate. I reckon that's a good idea, Spud. Ken Hunter is a special guest tonight on No Man Should Ever Walk Alone. It's all thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Try the new diesel-only Brave Street 75 mil for only 69 bucks at Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrances. More with Carlton champion Kenny Hunter after this. No Man Should Ever Walk Alone with Danny Frawley. Oh, there's a lot of love for you, Kenny Hunter. A whole lot of love for you tonight coming through off the text. You can keep your love coming through. Absolute legend, Ken Hunter. Thanks for the brick you signed. Uh, Also coming through, uh, my hero, Kenny and also, lots of love. The great Kenny Hunter, one of the most courageous from Chris in the CBD. Some good stuff there. Uh, you can join us, of course, so for double three ninety eight eleven sixteen on text. We're here with thanks to Chemist Warehouse Spud. And as I say that, uh, it's not getting any better for the Aussies against Pakistan. Four for 410. Thanks a lot, Jack. Um, so, Kenny, just before the ad break, we, we touched on um, you getting dropped and I know, you know, I'm not going to talk about myself. There was always a tipping point where I thought I was battling a bit, but then the tipping point did tip me over the edge. You, you touched on 988 when you first got dropped, and obviously that was the first time that things didn't go to plan for yourself. So at the time, did you did you think what was going on or you just had this sort of noise in your head? What, what, what was the scenario? Uh, look, I, I think in 88, after we won the premiership in 87, we probably weren't going as well as what we could have. Yep. Um, I think Wolsey was getting a bit frustrated and um, he started taking out out on the players a little bit. I think it got to a point where probably after mid-season, I think it was, just after, um, you always get a bit of an inkling as a player, you know, when mm. the, the, you, you might be in the gun a little yeah, bit. Yep, and yep. I certainly felt that. Uh, and then without really much warning, I was called in and just smashed basically over the head and said you're out of the side and go and train with the twos on Gee. on the outside ground and, and that was the start of it and I accepted it I mean yeah. I, I copped it sweet no, as, I'm as you sure do. you would have yep. um, but I started to um, you know go back 
played in the twos, wanting to get back in the side because yep. obviously we're going to heading towards the finals. Yep. And I want to be a part of that yep. uh, and, and potentially another grand final. So I went back and then I started, um, you know, started not sleep properly and then I was prescribed sleeping bills mm. by the club doctor and um, then I still wasn't sleeping yep. and I was training harder because I was yep. just trying to exhaust myself so I could sleep. And yep. The harder I trained, the worse I got and then stronger sleeping pills and it was just a downward spiral. And at the same time, I'd get dropped and then I'd get picked to play seniors and then I'd go dropped again. Mm. And it was just, you know, like a playing on my mind the whole time. Yeah. And, and the whole time I was just spiraling into this really dark, deep black space that I just thought I was going insane. Yeah. Um, had no idea what it was. And the doctors, and in all due respect to them, great doctors, but they were part-time and that was the way, they just wanted to get you out in the field and, and look after you. But did did you know much about de- depression in those days or, or mental illness? No, I, I, I knew as a kid growing up that you'd see it in the street and your mum or, or dad would say, shh, you know, when yeah. someone walked past. And uh, that was about the extent that I knew. But I had no idea what it was. I, when, when I was going through what I was, I thought it was Did you just, keep it private? Yeah, the only person that really knew was my wife and um, close family members. Yep. But as best I could, I tried to keep it quiet because, you know, obviously you were trying to get back in the side and you didn't want to see That's right. by the coach or anyone else that you got a chink in your armour and that could be seen as a bit of a weakness in your character. So, so I just battled through and battled through and I got to a got to a game. It was probably one of the last of the round, uh, last of the season, and we went up to Brisbane and played at Carrara and it was one of those real hot days. It was, you know, 30 degrees and the night before I'd tried to sleep. I hadn't slept all night. I had like about eight sleeping pills and got up and I played the game. I just didn't know where I was. I was like in a horror movie. And um, thankfully I just didn't know what to do anymore. I just thought, I don't know what this, I just don't know what to do. You know, I was, I was, Mm. had, you know, strange thoughts going through my head and, you know, you, you you start to question everything about yourself. Um, you know, um, you just go to a, a, a place that you just don't want to be anymore. Um, but thankfully, I, I thought of an old Carlton doctor, a bloke called Richard Ward. Yeah, and uh, yep. luckily I, I gave him a call and um, I went and saw him and uh, he, he sent me straight to a psychiatrist. And thankfully, I think from that, um, the psychiatrist, at least I knew what it was. I knew it was yep. depression. Um, and I, I thought, well, at least I know what it is. I, I can beat this. And so he gave me some medication. Mm. I thought, I don't need this. I, yeah. I can beat it. You know, yeah. I've beaten everything else That's in my right. life. Yeah. I don't need, you know. It's any, like a, a broken arm. You think, oh, well, six weeks I'll get through it and yeah, that's do right. a few weights and away we go. Yeah, and that's the thing that frustrated you because, you know, you, you, with a broken arm you can see it, yep. you can touch it. But with this, you, you, you know, you just yeah. can't did, understand. Did you become pretty withdrawn from... Or, or friends, like I know my scenario, I was always outwardly, when I was out in the open, people go, oh, gee, Danny's happy-go-lucky. and But in behind the closed doors, it was actually hard on my family because they saw the other side of it where sometimes the bigger the front, the bigger the back you've got. And I found that I was acting just for people's sake, not my, not my own. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think um, because, as you know, in a footy environment... You know, it's pretty competitive, even though they're all teammates. And there was a huge stigma back in the day, wasn't it? If you had any weakness whatsoever, whether it was good, bad or otherwise, there was a lot of um, sarcasm was a, was a great tool to, to sort of put players down. But gee, if someone had a mental 
weakness, as they call it in those days, the stigma on it was huge, wasn't it? It huge. was. It was, and it was unfortunately, it was, and and it's and it and it probably still is in yep. some respects. No, it today. is. No, we've um, still got a long way to go. Got a long way to go, um, but the, I think the more that people come out and talk about it, the better that um, you know society is going to be, and hopefully that um, you know the people that are, are going through something like this or or about to early intervention is the best way. Yeah. You know that. You got to go and see your doctor. You know, got to go and talk to him, or you got to talk to your friends. I mean, because it it is your identity. You, you become so insular, and you, you know, you it's your problem. You don't want to burden right. people with your with your issues, and and so you hold it all within yourself, and you think you can beat it, but it's just one thing that I just couldn't beat. You mm. know, I, I, like it's I amazing how um, little problems when you're going through that become mountains, don't they? You just think, hell, what else? What else is going to happen? Massive, and 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 you just beat yourself to death. You know, like um, everything you question, everything you know, um, you wonder about everything. You, you you can't understand anything. You you're in a black place. You just can't see any way out, um, and it's just a terrible place to be. And I was, as I said, I I was like it for five or six years till I put my hand up, and there's no doubt. And that's why this, I think this show, well, I know it's a great show, is if I had to put my hand up earlier, I would have got over it easier, quicker. Yep. But because I was, was going down and down and just, I was a bit like you, it was just, I'll train harder, drink more, and and act as if nothing's going on. But when I look in the mirror, I'm thinking, what the hell? Yeah. And so how long did this go on for you, Ken? Um, to not, not living the lie, but just thinking, I'll get through this because you're a competitor, you're a proud man. Yep. You're stubborn. Yep. You'll beat this thing. How, how long do you reckon you, you put up with those thoughts before you thought, I need Wardy's help? I um, Well, uh, even after Richard Wood, I, I mean, it started probably just about halfway through the season, about round 14 or 15, I think, when I yep. was first dropped. And then, you know, the, the Carlton were playing finals. So the club, a lot of people were questioning where I was because I, I wasn't mm. around and uh, Carlton were playing in a preliminary final. And they sent me up to the Gold Coast to get away. And whilst I was up there, I was walking the streets of the Gold Coast because I just yeah. didn't want to hear the game, you know. And, yeah. uh, and I'm sure that if, if Carlton had a one and got in the grand final, I, I don't know what I was capable of. I, I was at that point. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, that I can fully understand where people get to a point where they consider taking their own yeah. life because that's where I was. Um, Carlton lost and I thought all my problems would be over, you know, um, you know, uh, I'd be able to sleep properly and came back to Melbourne and it was just getting worse. So I had to readmit myself to uh, the Melbourne Clinic. Yeah, and, and and that's great. Do you uh, do that yourself? Do you think the dropping, because um, I know looking back, the, there's a tipping point for everything, but let's say it wasn't the fact that you got dropped. Do you reckon your mind was in such a state, whether it was your upbringing or whatever, that it may have been something else down the track that may have tipped you over the edge or that was the thing that you were so proud as a, a champion player you got dropped that you might have been able to get through so the point I'm trying to make if it wasn't that could it have been something else down the track possibly I mean one of the things I guess that people do talk about and they talk about your upbringing and your background and and you know you, and I, I tend to not try and think like that I think well you know that's in the past so yeah. you know, I just want to deal with the present and worry about the future um, so I I don't sort of look at what was a tipping point. Mm. It happened. Yeah. yeah, it happened. It was part of my. Yeah. You know, I prefer that it didn't happen. Yeah, that's but, right. 
But it's part of my... Are you a better person for it now? Look, I think I am, to be honest. Um, You know, it was part of my football DNA. It's in me that this happened. I can't can't ignore it. Um, And I wasn't going to shy away from it. Um, But I think out of what I did learn is that you do sort of have to remodel yourself a little Mm. bit. um, And you look at the things that are really important to you in your life and you let go of the things that aren't. Mm. So I was able to focus... Uh, and the thing that really got me through, I think, at the end was that that's not the way that I wanted to finish my career. Um, so I, I set myself, I, had, I was lucky, I had one year left on my contract, and all I wanted to do was go back and play one game. Mm. So I thought, well, the only way I can get over this was to try and treat it like an injury, Yep. Um, even though I couldn't see it or touch it. But like in footy terms, you know, you're going to take it slowly, you know, just start running, getting back into yep. a, a routine, one step forward, two steps back, but keep going forward. And then I was able to get through and just rocked up to training. No one said anything. Mm. Like you said, you know, mental illness yeah. wasn't spoken about back in those days. So I had no idea who knew what, uh, but just started training and ended up playing four or five games and then retiring on my own terms. You you must look at the players now, and I know that we played in a in a, in a pretty good era because we most of us had jobs. We, yep. we we played footy. We got paid for it. We had a really good social connectivity with our players, and especially as I said, I know for a fact the Carlton guys did well because when they came to us in the, in the mid eighties, yeah. they certainly we we went to another level in the social. <laughs> but it was great. It was good for our um, well being because we you know they they taught us how to play some pretty good footy and and actually play for each other. But I suppose the the point I'm trying to make is now with the you know, the Twitter, the Facebook, the Instagram, the players now, they are under all sorts, aren't they, of yeah. pressures um, because it's in their face all the time. Instagram, Twitter, uh, they're getting abused if they don't play a great game by supporters, supporters of other clubs. We've got to be mindful of the fact that I know the AFLPA are doing their best, but I think we've got to do a hell of a lot more, don't we? We certainly do. And, and, and you're right, Danny, I think, you know, our generation, we missed out on a lot of that yep. thing, and probably for that, we're probably grateful because yeah. uh, the sort of pressures that young people now have to put up with are, are quite extreme. And as a footballer, as you know, you know, you put a lot of pressure on yourself just to perform, let alone with all these other outside pressures that can come on you mm. as well. So I think the I'd like to see more, you know, by mm. by the AFL and no doubt. and the AFL PA yep. um, about the way they perhaps condition their players no doubt. and uh, the way that they could perhaps um, come out of the game and, and, and look to a brighter future than where they're currently at. I'm always big on a balance. I think that the, the playing is is probably not a given, but they've just got so much talent and they get so well looked after. The, the point I'm trying to make is get, not, not get a job, but do something other than footy that you feel good about. Because yeah. as I said, you got dropped and you thought your whole world was caving in and you know, I was lucky enough I had the farm, and but and I didn't win a flag like you guys, and that's the thing that tipped me over the edge. I didn't play in a flag and didn't win a flag. I just had this, I'm a loser, you know. But as it turned out, it was just that's just the way it was. But the players of today, we we've got to be mindful of the fact that it's it's just a big bubble. They've got to they've got to enjoy themselves. We we don't want to go back to the 80s, but there's got to be a bit of that in it. There's got to be a bit where the players don't feel inhibited if they're having four or five beers at a pub. It's not going to end up Facebook that they're alcoholics. It's not that they've got they're young men. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree, and I think there's a lot of pressure on unnecessary on on these guys. And um, you're quite right. I mean, it's 
at least in our area, we could enjoy each other's company. We could enjoy the opposition. Yep. You know, it was competitive when you're out on the ground, but off the off the field, you're going to have a beer, you, you'd be mates, you, know, you enjoy it. Um, but I'm not really sure that the balance is quite right, mm. as you say, with, with the young guys today. Um, they've got too many... Too many outside influences, like mm. with the social media, that that you know, it must be just a nightmare. Just mm. even thinking about going out nowadays. Well, mate, we'll just have a break. We've got a, a little bit to finish off with on the word balance. Like to spend a little bit of time on, you know, how you you're going now, and 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 sort of the things to look for, especially for people out there that are probably going through a similar thing that we went through. Yep. And how we can help them actually go and go to a doctor a bit earlier. Yep. And and more important are the things that being proactive not reactive. Danny Frawley, good idea, Spud. Ken Hunter, our special guest as well, and no man should ever walk alone. We're going to come back and wrap things up after this. No man should ever walk alone with Danny Frawley. This is No Man Should Ever Walk Alone. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Danny Frawley is joined by a very special guest tonight in Ken Hunter, Carlton Legend. It's great to have him in here with us, and it's great to have your text as well. Quite a few of you sending through your love. Kenny Hunter, a great champion and a true gentleman. That's cheers from Giuseppe in Montmorency. An absolute legend, Ken Hunter. Thanks for the brick you sign. Work with Matty Fern. So a lot of love coming through there, Spud. No, thanks a lot, Jack. Um, as we said, Ken, on the, the ad break... How do you um, self-assess now? Uh, do you have you got some sort of measurables, or you find yourself sort of meandering down another path, and you have to check yourself, or are you constantly finding it? Uh, look, I've, I've been pretty good to be honest. Yeah. I mean, people have asked me how how I am, um, but I've been pretty good since the, that those days. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just about trying to keep myself focused on what's important to me, and I found that. Um, by doing that, I've been able to a lot of leave a lot of things behind, and um, and just try and look forward, um, and that's what's sort of kept me happy, I think. And you're you're doing a lot of you, well, not a lot, but a, a few corporate talks for for local footy clubs and and corporations. Yeah, I'm, I'm working with your old mate Kenny Sheldon. Yeah, fantastic. I spoke to Kenny this morning at a. Uh, Gastroscopy, uh, whatever it is, the thing down the throat. And I, oh, yeah, one of those. God, yeah, one yeah. of those. Anyway, um, no, it was the one down the throat. Anyway, he'd just come out of the anaesthetic. I thought he'd had a couple of beers. Oh, okay. Well, he's been off the drink. <laughs> he has, yeah. yeah. For the whole year. But no, and, and look, I'm going to tell the listeners out there to get on our website if they want to get you and Kenny, and more importantly, um, to talk about that, because I think it's just a great story that people out there can see Ken Hunter He's been an absolute outstanding individual on and off the field. He's been in some really dark times. He's been able to get through it. And I think that message to me was super important when I was going through a time. I didn't think I was going to, I couldn't see any light at the end of the tunnel, but they keep saying, hang in there, you'll be fine. And they're absolutely spot on. Sometimes it just takes a bit of putting your hand up. And I think, as I said, um, it's outstanding that I think you're, you're actually going to be a, an advocate going forward because you've got such a great story to tell. Yeah, look, I, I've been pretty busy. I mean, uh, yeah, post football, I worked at Foster's for yeah, a long time, yep. 
and um, you know, I've been travelling with uh, the missus the last couple of years, but Kenny Sheldon got me out, and uh, we're doing some corporate work. Yeah, uh, great. Doing, doing some corporate talks uh, about leadership and teamwork and stuff. And but also, when you and Kenny talk, and I say this in, in a right way, to, yeah. if you're talking together, how many words do you get in? <laughs> I've learned that one. Yes, yeah. <laughs> just let him go. <laughs> yeah, let him go. Just wait till you, you get a moment. And, uh, but but certainly, uh, we also talk a bit about mental health. Yeah, uh, great. Because. Um, a lot of corporates now are, are looking at uh, ways that they can put policy in place and uh, ways they can yeah. uh, um, you know, reduce the stigma, which yeah. I think needs to happen. Oh, there's no doubting that. And I was, as I said, I think, and Kenny's obviously got a story to tell too with the, the sickness of his beautiful daughter, Melissa, and you know yeah. that, that that obviously impacted his his mental health in a huge way. And you know he's doing a, a great job. So I, I think it's fantastic, Ken, that um, yourself and Kenny are putting yourselves out there. To help other people, and that's that's the beauty about getting you guys on this show. I'm um, really appreciative for you to come on. Um, and is there any way in the future that we can help you two guys get out in the corporate world? And I know the AFLPA and hopefully the Coaches Association will use you two guys as well because I think it's going to be a great. Well, it is. It's just a great story to see one of the icons of our game, who's not ten foot tall and bulletproof. He's a human, and and more importantly. He's a ripper fella. So good on you, Kenny. Uh, good on you, Danny. Thanks for being here, mate. Or good on you. Here. Thanks, mate. Good on you, mate. Kenny Hunter joining us tonight on No Man Should Ever Walk Alone. Thank you, Kenny. Thank you, Spud. Spud is back next week with thanks to Chemist Warehouse. And a reminder as well that each and every episode of No Man Should Ever Walk... Oh, there he goes. He's off. No Man Should Ever Walk Alone is downloadable now at sen.com.au.